Hey, welcome to the All 49ers show. Jose Sanchez, Grant Cohn. That's Jose yeah. Sanchez. I'm Grant Cohn. We're talking about we're going to talk about Warriors Lakers. Uh, he's apparently a Laker fan. I don't know. I'm not a Warriors <laughs> fan. I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight. But we're going to talk about that at the end. We're going to talk about um, you know the Niners third round picks, which are always controversial. And they have a terrible track record of drafting in round three, other than Fred Warner. But we want to start with something positive. So we're going to start on day three, where the Niners dominate. They've had so many good picks on day three. Maybe more success than any other team in the league. I don't know. Which day three pick this year do you think will be the best? Mm, I I really liked Robert Beal Jr. Uh, when he got drafted, you start reading a little bit more about him. It's like, well, first of all, once I hear he's from Georgia, you know, I guess in a way it's kind of stereotyping. It's like, wow, he's from Georgia? Okay. And then, yeah. then you read more about his measurables. You read what he's done. And it's like, Okay, he led the he led his team in sacks in 2021 and then just kept still sustaining a high level of play the next year. And it's kind of hard really to stand out at Georgia. It's really was what the clear consensus was Jalen Carter, right? But then mm -hmm. Robert Beal was, you know, not terribly far behind. So, I mean, I kind of like that prospect of putting him with Chris Kacerik and a bunch of other studs that the 49ers already have a defensive line. And that's someone that he could become a role player this year and maybe even rise above the ranks for future. So, I think of all the players that they picked in day three, He's someone who I think, oh, I think he's the most fail-safe. It's probably going to turn out to be their best. And it's going to be like, it was so obvious of everything they of everything that was on the table. And so, great selection. Robert Beal. You know, that's an interesting one. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he washes out. Like, he's got a lot to prove. He's a project, although he could be sure, very good. Yeah. My guy that I'm going with is uh, the first pick on day three. Darrell Luter Jr., the other uh, fifth-round pick, pick 155, the cornerback. I feel like he's got kind of all the measurables he's got some production he's got a really good db coach wilkes i feel like he's going to be end up being like a, a quality starter for them like lenore better watch out or he could end up being Traverius ward's replacement i think this guy's going to be good looter yeah i think that's one thing i was clear about this draft like all the picks that they was taking was lined up to where some other big starters were uh, contracts were expiring like in 2024 25 or 26 so that's like one yeah. thing that I, just, that I think they made sure to align is like, this is someone that we don't need them to be key right away, but it's someone we could keep under the table. Hopefully they grow and it's like, okay, we, we got this guy who we kind of like where he's going. And then maybe we find a future replacement for the cheap versus these guys who are costing us all this money and are draining the salary cap space. <clears throat> so I, I, I kind of like that idea. I think with Beal, like, yeah, you're right. He's a project still. Um, like I said, that's why he was far off from being anywhere near a stud, like a Jalen Carter or anything like that. But I, I just, I just like the idea of putting him with Chris Sarek. It's like there's one place you're going to put someone and it's like it's it's the ultimate place you can put them always. It's why they always can bring the free agents who are reclamation projects, put them in with this guy. And they just always manage to find a way to to tap into their potential and, and reach the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that the three defensive players the Niners took on day three, Luter Jr., Robert Beal and D winners will all end up being impact players or if not starters like i don't know if beal ever be a st starter but he could definitely be a rotational pass rusher and really the only person in his way is drake jackson who doesn't he's not as athletic as him maybe he's a better maybe he's more flexible and a better pass rusher but I, he kind of looks to me like a tweener people are saying he rebuilt his body see what he looks like at uh at otas because you saw him at training camp i mean he looked like not an nfl player like a college player to me he just, it just looked like just speed was his game. And again, that's why yeah. I guess, I guess it makes sense when, when they, Kyle explained it as exit pressers, like, yes, the dude just, 
his strength just waned as the season went on. And it's like, yeah, speed's great. But even that waned because, you know, again, everything just eats at your body because of the longer season. They're not used to it. You know, they're only used to those 11, 12 game seasons. That's if they were healthy. And that's yeah. assuming they went to a bowl game and played in that. So it, it, everything's like everything like, you know, is cumulative on these guys on these guys body of work. So I, I think I think also the thing we could say about Beal and like you said, even with all the day three picks, those first three defensive picks is, is the way that Kyle and Lynch like really went at depth at, at describing these guys and why they liked them, why they drafted them, you know, explaining all this. That's why that's why I've been having like fun writing these articles like why they draft these guys again. They really went in on talking about them and they really liked them. And it's like, OK, so this is someone to really keep an eye on. Let's see what they do. I mean, not necessarily, you know, be starter level worthy. Maybe eventually they'll shine in the season. But there's a reason why all these guys are why they're really, again, like going in depth. The same thing with like Ronnie Bell. He was a seventh round pick. I've never heard Kyle Shanahan go ad nauseum and go just go at length, like a full essay on a guy who was drafting the seventh rounder. I was like, maybe it's because he's a wide receiver and Kyle has those soft spots for those guys. But still, it's like the same thing. It's knew like, everything about him. You. Knew everything about him, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, I didn't think you did any scouting. I thought you hated yeah. scouting. Every time, yeah. this is the first time I think he said at a post-draft uh, press conference and he says, oh, that. What, what do you like about the drafting over whatever this draft at all? I don't have to watch tape anymore. So he said yeah. that like last two years and this is the first year he's like, right. okay, you're a little more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I, I forgot about Jalen Graham. They took four defensive players on day three. That's another linebacker and the way I think about the Niners is anytime they draft a linebacker, I just assume he's going to end up being good because I think they're the best team in the league at drafting and developing linebackers. Mm -hmm. And even though they've lost D'Amico and Sala, they still have Johnny Holland, who I feel like is like the Yoda of that position. Like I, I feel like he taught them. I don't even know. I'm so there, yeah. yeah, he's so good. So those two are going to probably end up being either key backups or one will be a starter or both eventually. So I like, I like all the, the defensive picks on day three. My questions are the two offensive picks, the tight end and the wide receiver. What do you think of which one do you think has a better chance to be like a contributor on this team at some point? Who's going to be better, Ronnie Bell or Braden Willis? Uh, probably Ronnie Bell because first of all, he's probably going to start on special teams, right? I think he's going to find a key role there, and probably Willis will too. But I take Bell because, well, I'll get first with Willis. I don't see him as a a great blocker, right? That I mean, everything that's that's that like I've been reading on, like I'm not going to pretend I watched him. But everything I've been reading on sounds like okay, this guy is very highly skewed towards being a wide receiver. What about blocking? Is is he great blocker? Is he good blocker at least? I'm sure he's been capable, but it's like, okay, this it sounds like he's going to have some work. And then I look at him, I'm like, he's tall, he's kind of lanky. It looks like he needs to like get some nice build to him first and maybe even polish up some technique. And that's not the 49ers MO. They want the tight ends to do both, right? Maybe more so block than actually be a receiver. Um, so that's why I go with Ronnie Belmore. He's going to find himself a special teams role. And then John Jang's on a one-year deal. He might not be back next year. So maybe Ronnie Bell rises up the ranks and then finds his role. And then Danny Gray, I know Danny Gray is there, but again, he's just a speedster. He didn't really do much of anything last year. He had to develop so many traits like blocking, finding his role on special teams, and doing more than just running the straight line because Trey Lance wasn't a quarterback anymore. And he had to adjust and adapt to Brock Purdy than that new system. So I, I think Ronnie Bell has the best chance to really flourish among those two. I'm going to go with uh, Braden Willis um, because I feel like he's – he didn't test, but I think like he's – I think he's a good athlete. I think he's going to – even if he's not like a good blocker, like he could end up taking the Jawan Jennings role in a year where he's mm -hmm. like a slot receiver or he's a tight end, but you really use him on third down and he could be a better receiver than Latu. Like on third down, if you need like another guy on the field and Jennings isn't on the team anymore, I mean, you could go two tight ends with 
Braden Willis in the slot. And I feel like, who would you rather have in the slot next year? Ronnie Bell or Braden Willis? It, it could come down to that. And like, Ronnie Bell, he's a little smaller and he runs like a 4-5-4. Four, four. Like, I don't know how, you know, how he, how much he's going to win, I guess. And like with Willis, at least, he might pre present different matchup problems. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. They were picked like four picks apart. Six. Yeah, does this so. mean Charlie Warner's gone? <laughs> yes. Because I don't know what Charlie Warner does on the team. Like, he's supposed to be a blocking specialist. I'm, I remember when he made that, when, when they made that pick in 2020, right? I remember when they made that yeah. pick. It was like, okay, this guy just sounds like a like a, like a faster offensive lineman. <laughs> it's like, they could, Pretty I, I think I remember writing up that, I'm the, I think I'm the one that wrote up that piece too when they got drafted. And it's like, this guy is like, good blocker, great. is one they want to do. He's, I think he took on that, Um, uh, who's the... Who's the who's there was a backup tight end the 49ers had that he used to use a lot after George Kittle? Not Ross Dwelly. Who's the other guy? He went to the Giants. Oh, I forgot in 2019 to 2020. He was like a oh, I forgot his name. Sorry with the Caden Smith. Caden oh. Smith. Was it no? Kane it wasn't Caden Smith. It was another. Who went guy. to the Giants? He was in the who's in the Niners tight end. In free agency. Who are we talking about? Oh, I don't know. I think he was a Pacific Islander cat. I don't remember. I don't okay. remember who. Oh, it's Levine Toilolo. Yes, that guy. Remember, he used to come in and be the blocker. I, I, I was thinking Charlie Warner took him, took his spot. So it's okay, cool. That was great, but he's got to develop a receiver somehow. So at least Brady Willis already has that spot. I feel like it's easier to develop as a blocker almost than it is to be as a wide receiver because so much of that, like it's it's a timing, anticipation, feet work where blocking just gets strong, hold your blocks. We don't need you to do it for too long. You want to hear some news that's going to dishearten you? So thank you know. for bringing up Charlie Warner. Okay. So they, they clearly drafted Cameron Latu to replace Charlie Warner. Charlie Warner at the Combine a few years ago, 6'4 244, 478, 40. Cameron Latu at his pro day, 6'4 uh, 244, 2, 2, 4, 7, 8, 40. So, so, and he went to Alabama. The other guy went to Georgia. They have, I hope they didn't draft the next Charlie Warner in round three. That'd be terrible. But we're, we're not talking about round three. Day two yet. We're talking about day three and all the great things that they always do on day three. But that Cameron Latu pick is scary. Damn, it's because they, they collaborate. Charlie Warner, man. Charlie Warner has the same physical profile. I'm not saying he's the same player, but when, when you have the same testing numbers as Charlie Warner, that's scary. That's not. Especially that's when not. supposed to be like, be like, this, not like a high pick like he was. But Warner was a fourth, fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth round pick? Sixth. Okay, okay, fine. Six round pick makes sense, but you went all the way high in three. Jeez. Charlie Warner was the 190th pick in the draft. Latu was pick 101, and he runs the same 40 as Charlie Warner. I mean, Charlie Warner might beat him out. <laughs> I don't know, man. Latu, you better. All right, let's talk round three. Before we talk tight end in round three, a freaking the Niners kicker? took a freaking kicker in round three with pick 99. What are your thoughts on this highly controversial pick? Because I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm very conflicted about it still. <laughs> so I'm watching the draft on my TV, right? And I literally have my other PC right here, and I'm just waiting, watching, okay, who are they going to pick? And then they, they say it, and I was going, and I was like, ah, I knew it <laughs> because I said this back in two, literally two months ago. I don't yeah. – look. I get the outrage. I definitely do. You don't draft kickers around three. But personally, I was not shocked or just like, saw it as a big deal because I thought it, I, I was expecting it. I was because they were working on all these kickers, especially like a month ago. And it's like, they don't have a kicker. 
and you acquire Zane Gonzalez for pretty much nothing. You swap seven round picks, so pretty much okay, the picks collateral is nothing. His contract is nothing. That sounds like to me it's a contingency because Gonzalez missed 2022. He's missed 12 games in 2021 and 2020. And a lot of times it happens when he's doing those warm-up kicks. And it's like, God, the last thing the Niners want is like, this guy's hurt. It's week three. And he just freaking slipped on a random banana peel Mario Kart style. And now I can't, I got to roll out Mitch Wisnowski. I got to have, I got to go for two now the rest of the day. Like, what are we yeah. doing? So I, yeah. I, I, okay, I get it. I get it. I get the outrage in defense. I feel like everyone's both, both right in this case. And I'm taking the Venn diagram in the middle part of just like, I, I, I hear you both. I hear you both. But this was ultimately like a, such a, like, it, it was an arrogant pick. And like, we only need a kicker. We're good everywhere else. I don't care about depth. I don't care about the future. Well, I guess kicker is the future. I don't care about the draft board either. Because <laughs> like, honestly, like, they'll be like, well, they, they would, you know, Moody would have been taken if you take it. Okay, man, let someone else reach for a kicker. Is Look, 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 look. A few years ago, they drafted Mitch Wisnowski in round four. Okay. And Mitch Wisnowski has been everything they've hoped and more. He is what they wanted when they took him. So on one hand, they could be like, hey, you know, we, we, we got into this with our eyes open. He's what we wanted. Good pick. But in retrospect, let's look at what they did. They had the 104th pick in the draft. They traded down to 110. Okay. If they had stayed at 104, pick 105 was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Pick 106 was Max Crosby. So even if you like take the special teams guy and he is everything you want, at that point in the draft, you're almost guaranteed to be passing on really good players. You may not know who they are yet. So, the, okay, they trade down to pick 110. I mean, still, uh, hold on. Pick 128 is Tony Pollard. Like, you could go in, and there's a bunch of starters that went in round four of the 2019 draft that you might prefer to freaking Mitch Wisnowski because you can get punters. Is all I'm saying. So yeah, Jake Moody might be great or very good or good, but I guarantee there's going to be five to ten players who went in round four that are going to be the Niners are going to be kicking themselves they didn't take in like three four years, and that's yeah, the problem. That would, I would lean towards the problem. Teams are as likely, and this is why I think like that's why I hate when you go in the draft and you're drafting for a need because if you're drafting for a need, you're drafting for exactly. the immediate year, and it's exactly. like wait, the draft is not for immediate year. The draft is for Sure, it's for the year. That'd be nice, but that's why that's 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 why those are your round one and two picks, right? Right. But you didn't have those. You can't afford that, which is why they were trying to trade Prince Ayuk in the first place, right? They were thinking right. about that, trying to get until they went on that run on wide receivers. Um, <laughs> this is this is why you don't do it. The Niners twenty every everything in their moves twenty twenty three back to free agency restructures everything. Everything's just about literally just winning it all this year, and it just sure. continues to build. Okay. You don't win the Super Bowl. I don't care if Trey Lance gets hurt. I don't care if Brock Purdy gets hurt. I don't care if Christian yep. McCaffrey. Gets hurt. I don't care if half the team gets hurt. It was a failure for you. It's a failure yeah. for you guys because these are the players you are investing in. These are the players you were structuring in. These are the players you tra traded for. This is no excuse here. Jake Moody's missing a percentage of his kicks. Well, <laughs> I will say this: just because they drafted Jake Moody in the round three, I, they're still going to make him compete. I think they're definitely going to make him compete. Yep. Now they'll probably imagine. be a name and they'll give Moody the lead. But God forbid, Moody is like looks like he's stinky out there. Robert Roberto Aguayo 2.0. Then okay, Sayonara. We're gonna roll the dice with Zane. We're gonna roll the dice with Zane Gonzalez. So I think from that standpoint, it, it it's that that's where you, that's where you're kind of fine at. So, but ultimately, they, they need to hope this guy is, is a good kicker this year and beyond to yeah. justify just 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 sufficiently sufficiently justify it. Because I know that you said if it, if it turns out there's another Max Crosby out there that they failed upon, then it's like. It's still hard to justify, but this is why, again, you have to hope this guy is a good kicker and he's your starter 
for the foreseeable future. I'm talking like five, six, seven, eight years down the line. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is like, yeah, it's a short-sighted move, and the Niners are really good now, but they're getting a little bit older. Their core is getting a little bit older, and like in two, three years, or maybe even less than that, you're going to look at the effect of them throwing away so many round one, two, and three picks. Like, they've thrown them away. Or not thrown them away, but I mean, three went to Trey Lance, you know, around two, three, four pick went to Christian McCaffrey. Like, the reinforcements aren't coming. Like You spend a third round pick on a kicker, which, you know, you could have probably gotten a guy who would develop into a starter at that pick if you picked wisely. And you passed on that. So you could have a kicker. Like eventually, in two years, you're going to say, well, where's the depth? It's all got to come from these day three picks. And if the Niners keep hitting in day three, then great. But eventually, you, you wonder, like, is that well going to run dry? I, is the rest of the league going to catch up to you? Are you finally going to come back down to earth? Is there any luck involved in you hitting at, in round five and six and seven? Because if that happens, the Niners are in trouble, man. Eventually. Yeah. And but if it was a Super Bowl this year, who cares, right? Who cares? <laughs> they need to win it. They, they what if Jake Moody... Okay, it's fine. It's justified. What if they it's win good. by two and Jake Moody has the game-winning kick? God, they're going to be so justified. Okay, It'd I think if I'm going to defend the four hours in the sake is on two things. Yeah, One, yeah. there was a lightweight run on kickers. The Patriots took someone 20 spots away, so I was like, God damn True. it, he has a point there. And then I True. think another team took a kicker in the fifth round, no? Or maybe in the uh, fourth round. I think there it was, was third, yeah. There was definitely a third kicker taken. In the fifth round, maybe the sixth, but I want to say the fifth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely three t- kickers taken in third, fourth, and fifth. I, I, a, a thousand percent. I don't remember the name of the third guy, but there was one. So, that's – okay, so Kyle had a point. He thought that he was going to go, and look, he, he probably was right. If the Patriots took him, all right? So, I mean, no one's going to no one's gonna talk about anything about the Patriots, but then, yeah, it's Bill Belichick. I was going to question what he's doing, right? He, 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 he has all that credibility and all that. It was that. Anders Carlson, round six. I think he's uh, – his brother's a kicker in the NFL. There's another Carlson. All oh, right, yeah, Danny anyway. Carlson on the Raiders. That's right. That's why he got yes. taken. So his brother got taken. Went to the Packers, no? Uh, correct. Okay, yeah. Who okay. always have a really bad kicker, right? Mason Crosby. I don't know. Is Mason Crosby? He was there forever, but whenever he played the Niners, he missed. So I don't know. There was a stretch of years where he was bad. I remember him good. being bad. It was like that's yeah. weird. Um, and I think my last point on this thing, just because <laughs> you tweeted out like that's last week about the, all the 49ers round three picks about how all of them have been shite except for Fred Warner. Mm-hmm. Jake Moody has a chance to be the second best round three pick they've gotten, mm-hmm. honestly, because in terms of he's going to he should stay in theory, he should stay there longer and he should be a fairly good kick, a really good kicker. Right. Because he's such a high prospect. And even again, another I, I drafted it. But again, if you consider all the years past the 49ers, they have sucked in this round. They have been bad. Sucked. So this this feels like, like yeah. you just need something now. And it's like, I'm look, this is ultimately going to be the, one of their best round three picks the same way. Like it's like. If they took like some reach position in round one and two, they suck in those rounds too. So they it's really like, all right, like, you look compare the past. It's like this is the one of going to be one of their best ones. So at the end of the day, it's like yeah. it, it kind of works out. I think Jair Brown's going to end up being really, really, really good. But to your point, I think Moody's going to be yeah. a day one starter. Brown might have to be like take the the Hafunga route where he's the third, the third safety, and there's packages for him, and they're finding ways to get him on the field. But you can't just bench two proven vets for him right away. Because um, honestly, like, Tashawn Gibson, I thought was one of the most underrated players on the team last year. Like, got no accolades, zero, when he statistically had a better season than his running mate, Talanoa Hafunga, who was great and deserved all of his accolades, but he took a lot of chances that Gibson didn't take. And Gibson was just as productive without giving up four or five touchdowns. So I'm just saying, man, you can't just bench him for a rookie unless that rookie definitely earns it based on what he does in training camp and preseason, not just college. So good luck to Jair Brown. We've got to talk about right tackle. 
I'm freaking out about it. I always freak out about it. It's not that I'm freaking out about it because I don't care about the team or, or root for the team. It's just that I feel like it's the issue and they don't want to talk about it. And they're like, they're saying it's not an issue. And I'm saying it is. Um, but it's like they went 13 and four last year with Mike McGlinchey. So it's kind of a nuanced discussion here. How, how concerning is this right tackle position really? Uh, it's, it, there's definitely a concern. And I, I remember uh, Kyle Shannon's talking about, Oh, I could, I could, I could, I compare this to Jake Brendel or mm-hmm. Aaron Banks of the years past. Or I don't know if he said that, but I, I've seen that comparison. It's like Lincoln Tomlinson, mm-hmm. Aaron Banks, you know, Alex Mack. Or like Brendel for sure. He said it the other day, as because like, Brendel had really never played. He had like four or five starts, and all of a sudden he's a starter. Yeah, and that one, that was the more comparable one, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, it's guard. Guard's like okay, guard's like more easier to stick and is less impactful than tackle. I mean, and center is impactful. It's just tackle is like higher up the totem pole to me. It's, right. it's 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 higher and you're gonna put colton mckivix there i mean it's maybe maybe he looks a little better maybe maybe he turns out fine and it's all gravy and they look like geniuses again like with brendel like okay cool i mean brendel turned out to be a pro bowl player whether it was deserved or not maybe he was close to it maybe he wasn't but he turned out to be fine maybe it'll be good i just again this is it's, it's the fact that you're putting so much of this risk of an unknown into one of your one, top three, I'd say top three most pivotal positions in football, right? With mm-hmm. quarterback and tackle being one of them, maybe a pass rusher, a corner being three or four, whatever the way you want to rank it. But yeah, tackle is one of them. And this is going to easily be something that disrupts your whole offense. How, you're going to have to figure out ways to mitigate it like crazy if it doesn't work out with McKivitz or if it is, whoever it is, I don't, I don't think they have a true bona fide answer there. And it's a little scary. And again, I know they could have, they, there was two tackles on the board that we talk about kicker instead of taking kicker. There was Dewan Jones available for them. There was Nick Saldaveri. Those are the only two I could have saw that, that were actually like pure right tackles. You get stuck there. But in terms of where they actually immediate starter ready, that's a huge toss up. I don't know about They might have been guards too. They might have been so guards. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it was just a tough way to, it was just a tough way to really find an answer here. So now you're stuck in a position where it's like, what are you guys going to do? Nick Salaveri would have been intrigued. I think I would have taken him over Latu. I mean, give him a chance. Because here's the thing. Like, let's – Kyle's point is I can win. He can win with McKivitz. And he has. He's beaten the Rams the last two – twice with with McKivitz in the last two years. I think once at right tackle, once at left tackle, or maybe both at left tackle. I forget. Um, But he can win with McKivitz. And I'm sure they could win – they could rack up a bunch of wins in the regular season with him. The question is, what if – who's the swing tackle? Like – Feliciano. Trent Williams oh. misses a couple games a year. Like, what if McKivitz? Like, can you win with the next guy playing? Who is the next guy? Jalen Moore. Can you win with him? Because he's probably gonna have to start a few games. Seen it. I don't know. You can win with. I don't know if you can win with Jalen Moore. And if it's not him, is it? It could have been Saldaveri or whoever that guy is. But now it's like Nick Zakel or it's Jalen Moore. So those could be like a couple losses you shouldn't have because you essentially don't have a swing tackle that you could have gotten this draft. And then after that, like. Yeah, you could go 15 and two. Like their whole thing is we don't need a great right tackle because we have the best defense and we're built to run the ball. So we're never putting Mike McGlinchey in that position where we're like down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, passing every play, people tee off because he'll fold. We're never in that position. We're always winning. Yeah, in the regular season, but at some point in the playoffs, you're going to have to like be in that game and that right side of your offensive line is going to fold and you're going to blame the quarterback for not protecting himself or making the throws or whatever. But like it's gonna bite you eventually, even if you go fifteen and two. That's the way I look at it. The right tackle spot. And that's assuming that defense makes a smooth transition from D'Amico Ryan's to Steve Wilkes in the first place. Look, and I, I again, I, I thought Wilkes was probably the best candidate for them to take instead of Vic Fangio. But 
there's still going to be a drop off. I, I think I'm more vindicated. I think I feel more confident because Amico was on Salah's staff. There was no change. Yeah, this is yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, and even then, even then, when it went from Robert Salah to D'Amico, I thought Robert was freaking amazing. And I was like, there's going to be definitely some growing pains, and it's probably going to look off for a stretch of the season. It never did. It never did to the season. He was a no. better upgrade than Salah, and that was crazy because Salah, what he did in 2020, was should never be taken for granted. Um, yeah. But Wilkes, it's like. He still doesn't have it on the table in terms. Again, he hasn't had the same talent and staff he has now, so he probably should. He should be good, right? But it's in terms of them being what they were with D'Amico and Robert all those years. It's probably not going to happen. There's probably going to be some. It might be different. It might be different. I demand more of this offense, and I even demand more because Kyle is going with Brock Purdy at quarterback, and he's so vindicated and convicted, as John Lynch keeps Mm -hmm. saying over and over again. They're convicted about Brock Purdy. That's like, okay, you think this is the guy? You think your offense is the shit? Show it to me. Don't, don't have your defense is cracking. I want to see it. I want I want to see it. You have this right tackle. I don't hear no excuses about the right tackle. This is your choice because, like right. they said, this is who you like wanted. They, they foreshadowed, yeah. they predicted that Colton, I mean, Meg McGlinchey was going to go for a large sum of cash and free agency. Yeah, you year saw before. it all coming. Other fielding trade offers, right? Yeah. You guys had all that time to f- figure out a replacement or to do something, and McKivitz was your best bet. You better hope yeah. it works. You better hope it works. And my, again, my prediction is that it'll work for the most part in the regular season. But when they come to the crossroads, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, meet me at the crossroads. Uh-huh. McKivitz is going to be the one there that lets him down, most likely. Last year it was Tyler Croft. I don't know. I just wouldn't. It just it seemed like in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, the right side caved. In the NFC Championship against the Rams in the fourth quarter, the right side caved. And um, they're capable of caving again. I do think it's concerning, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like pick them to go nine and eight this year. You know what I mean? They can still run the ball. They can still win, run to win a lot, probably. I mean, they hardly run to the right anyway. They had, All of their good runs go to the left the last, what, two years, except for the Debo runs. The Debo yeah, yeah, Ray Ray runs. Right yeah, those go to the right. Official yeah. um, BNA Music 88 says, counting down to Brandon Allen looking good at camp, and he's completing 80% of his swing passes to TDP posts. He's I don't think anyone is. I missed a bunch. I'll go back and get him. But yeah, that's going to be fun. The Brandon Allen hype train. I don't think anyone... Here's my, someone asked, I have a friend who's a, I grew up with who's a Raider fan and he's texted me. He's like, he wanted to know if Sam Darnold has a group of irrational fans that think he's really good. Like Jimmy does. And I was <laughs> like, I don't think so. No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, Zach, not yet. Zach Rivero says, I'm not mad. They got moody, but why 36 and not 38 at least he would have been gone by their next pick in, in uh fifth round. Kind of understand the logic. 36 and 38 in round three round. I don't know. They, they felt if they didn't take Moody at 99 or whatever that pick was, that someone was going to trade up with the fourth round grade on him. That's what they said. And since the bottom, Hey, you made fun of Kyle Shannon saying like, Oh yeah. Kyle says that third round pick was a fourth round pick. And it's like, it's, it's definitely more of a fourth than it is a third grant. I agree with Kyle on that one, but I just think it's funny. Like when you're trying to like hype up a player, you, you try to say is this dude's really good. Not like, hey, it's not really a third round pick. Think of him as a fourth round pick. It's like what you're saying is like, he's not that good. <laughs> let me lower the expectations here. Let me, I don't want to raise him. I don't think it was that so much that he's not that good. I think it's so much like, hey, don't make fun of me for using a third round pick. I actually used that's a what it was. Pick. He didn't, but like he didn't think of it, but that's what how it comes across. It's like, man, you're kind of like, you should be pumping him up. I'd say this guy's great. I would have taken him in round two. I would have taken him in round one. NG49 says, while Six Sense Sam watches B-Ball, Trey's grinding. Six Sense Sam. <laughs> I, see, I see dead people. 
But I'd say that Sam is doing the good thing because he's ingratiating himself with the Cabo click. And that's one of the ways of how Sam Darnold is going to win that starting job. Isn't that crazy that he was at the game with Kittle? Show I mean, I understand that he's friends. He's under he's friends with Christian, but now he's friends with Kittle too. Like, that just doesn't seem fair. Hey, George, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> You're the best quarterback ever. <laughs> Course. All right. Gross. Did the 49ers get better this offseason? Real quick, let me just do a rundown of players they lost and gained who yes, made an impact last year. Okay. So last year, these are pe people who just made an impact at some point. Not, a, not necessarily a, a tremendous one, but like we're on the field doing things. Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley for like four or five games. Aziz Alshair, Samson Nebuchadnezzar, Charles Menehue, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike McGlinchey, Robbie Gold. There were more, but I mean, those, I don't know, what is that? Eight guys were essentially main characters on this team at one point. They're gone. And guys, the Niners added this this year in free agency and the draft who definitely will do something on this team this year. Javon Hargrave, great signing. Isaiah Oliver, starting nickel. Jake Moody, kicker. There probably will be a couple more free uh, rookies who assert themselves as well, but I just don't know who they are yet. Um, so based off those names, did the Niners get better on paper this offseason? I'd say they cancel out only because right tackle gets a little worse from Mike McGlinchey to Colton McKivitz. But it's I also totally like, agree. It also boosts because Javon Hargrave massively boosts up that non-existent pass rush outside of Nick Bosa. So mm -hmm. I think that cancels out. Everywhere else kind of filled. Like, and I like what you did there, boosting the numbers with uh, oh, they lost Jimmy Garoppolo, Emmanuel Mosley. Like, oh come on, come on, let's go, let's come on. But <laughs> but it's like I, I hear what you're saying on those, but it's like where else were they gonna upgrade? Other than in the draft and looking for those future key players behind them, where else were they going to upgrade? They don't need to. No, I'm not program. saying they messed up. I just think it's a, the reality of the situation that I'm with you. Like that was a wash what they did this offseason. They didn't take a step back. They did all that they could, but they didn't. I don't know that they had a step forward to take, and they didn't take it. Like I don't know what the Eagles did either. The Eagles <laughs> lost a bunch of. They lost Hargrave. That's a big one, and they replaced him with Jalen Carter. Yeah. Right. Like they. they I think their offseason was a bit of a wash too. But I think. If the Niners are going to take a step forward this year, it's going to be a lot of the players they drafted last year. It's going to be Drake Jackson. Yes, 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 yes. Kaylee. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's who has to take the step forward. There has to be like two or three guys. So him, Drake Jackson is so important this year. And Colton McKivitz, those two dudes, Colton McKivitz, Drake Jackson. Like, no, you're, you don't even have a competition, man. It's all you. you. You have the starting job locked up. Do something with it. If they do, then this team is better than last year. I'd say Kalia Davis is kind of crushed crucial to a little bit. Sure. Put him in because I think he was yeah. supposed to go higher if it wasn't for his injury, right? Um, yeah. I think I think that's what that what you mentioned about last year's picks having to be coming up this year, and I think that's a big reason why they didn't really look at any offensive linemen in this past in this in the draft they last took two last year. Like, it's like we we took two. We need those guys to flourish, and we have other we we got we got at some point we got we got to do our job and coach them up, which I kind of like. It's like okay, you do your job, and coach them up. It's just, what's your track where we're coaching up some of these offensive linemen specifically? I think it's your worst turnout group out of all. No, I think, no, it is. It's your worst turnout group that you've invested at. Whether no it's contract, contractually or drafting or just random. Well, tight end is down there too. Well, they got Kittle. So no, I mean, they've gotten no one good at this position. They've drafted no one good at this position. No one great. One no pro bowlers. Zero pro bowlers in the offensive line have they drafted.
it, it's it's bad. Like it's it's one thing. I get it. You got to keep finding investments. That's the game. Why? Did, and like like John Lynn said, we're not going to take an offensive lineman. Just take one. Like, I get it. Yeah, it's true because again, other than that end of the round three, you had the choice of those two players: of Dewan Jones, Nick Saldaveri. It's if it wasn't those two, which again would have been stretched to see if they were starters, you didn't really have any options. They were kind of forced. And free agency again, they were a little screwed. So that's why I see it's like what were they going to do at right tackle? So at least, you know, they, 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 one of the ways I'm talking about one of the ways they can mitigate an offense. One of the ways they could do it is defense. Javon Hargrave get to the passer, give us extra possessions, hold these guys as points. Um, we need help. Um, so I think like it, it literally feels like a wash. I, th- I think so far, if, if you're not getting worse in the off season, that's always a win because that's always one thing. It's like, if, if you know, if you're not getting worse, you, you're getting better or whatever. A lot of times people don't think it's, it's right in the middle of being stalemate. I just think, Hey, you didn't get worse. That's fine, because ultimately, what can McKivitz do, and who's going to be your quarterback, and at what level he is he going to be at? I mean, it, it look, it's fair if they're like, they could have taken Nick Saldaveri. That's the one. He has he has thirty three and a quarter inch arms. He's six six. He's three eighteen. He runs a five two. I mean, honestly, if he were on the Niners right now, I think he'd be the right tackle. I mean, I, I think he's more gifted than Colton McKivitz. and so the Niners they took Nick's. Nick Zakel in round six last year. Nick Zakel is maybe comparable to Nick Saldaveri in terms of um, athleticism. I think Zakel's arms are even shorter. So, okay, man, you took Zakel in round six last year. Let's see it, baby. He, that's your spring. That's got to be your swing tackle because we've seen it with Jalen Moore, and it ain't he ain't him. It's he's not Himothy. It's got to be Zakel. Otherwise, it could have been Saldaveri, and you took a a tight end instead. I just got reminded of what I wrote in the article of why the 49ers didn't take a right tackle. And, you know, Kyle brought about, oh, I consider this to be Brendel to Mac, you know, situation versus like McGlinchey to McKivitz. And I'm like, yeah, I see another comparison. I see this as like, in terms of like not taking a player versus going McKivitz. I see it as Colt McKivitz is Brock Purdy. We know what we have versus drafting a rookie right tackle as Trey Lance. Like we, we already have a little bit of a headway start. We don't want to start back at square one and try to reinvest and just figure it out because God forbid it doesn't work. It's, it, it looks pointless and we don't have the time. We don't want to do it. It's like, again, back to the short-sightedness, drafting kicker, saying no to minimal starts. Yeah. Um, it's what it's what these guys do. You know, it's the same way why McKibbitt's like, like you said, oh, he's two, two starts is enough for me. It's like, really? Really? I'm, I'm seeing fans say it was defending McKibbitt. It's like, that's all we need. It's like, What? Really, and to me, it's like, how do you sell the fans on? We're just gonna start Mike McGlinchey's backup. Wait a second, Mike McGlinchey wasn't good. Now his backup is to start. So someone that's worse than Mike McGlinchey is now starting. Oh no, but the Niners don't want you to believe that McKivitz is secretly better than McGlinchey. Then why was McGlinchey playing last year? Either way, I don't get it. Either way, it's like, what is this in the best interest of the team? Was McGlinchey playing in the best interest of the team last year? Is Kivitz playing in the best interest of the team this year. I don't get it. It just feels like Kyle being like, man, I've been working around a bad, a bad right tackle for so long. I can keep doing it. I don't care. I can keep doing it. It's like, yeah, for a while. You can do it up to a point. I'm not I, saying McKivitz is bad, but he's not like a good one. No, of course. It's, it, look, we're just, we're, just, we're just being – this is, a risk, this is yeah. very risky. This is risky. Yeah. We're, we're playing craps on the table right now it, it, with yeah. a guy with very low starts and is not really shown. Sure, against the Rams, but you're facing against the same opponent twice. Every 49ers player looks good against the Rams, first of all. Um, that's why they always beat them, beat them up in the regular True. season. 
Um, another thing is, I, I'd say were the were the 49ers just starting McGlinchey just to start him? I'd say I'd say yeah because of his contract. Jimmy Ward admitted to that last in his True. Instagram live. Remember he's saying like I told him put me on the freaking bench, and Kyle's like You're not going to no, happen. Gonna do that, and then Jimmy was yeah. like, you know why? Because I make too much, so they need me on the field. McGl- right. They probably thought McGl- McKivitz was the same, if not better, and they're like, even if it's unless it was drastically better, they couldn't they couldn't. Right. They couldn't explain they couldn't that. It. And like they you always justify. say, like you always bring yeah. in Jed York. Imagine explaining that to Jed York. It's like, why are you doing hey. with your first round pick who's paying pay yeah. all this money, just kicking, eating popcorn on the sideline, bro? What, what, what the hell are we doing? What are we so doing? I, so yeah. I, I can see that being okay. a, a legitimate reason. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I'm still scared, though. I'm, I'm just like, here's the thing. Like, here's what I wanted to say. Here's what I wanted to say. So the, he can point to Brendel all he wants, but you mentioned it. That there's a big difference between center and right tackle. Tackle in general. Yes. In center, that guy's rarely one-on-one against anyone. You can help him. He's got a guard to his left, a guard to his right. You could put a back in the backfield. Like There are things you can do. Right tackle, you can only help him for so long. At some point in this season, he's going to be one-on-one against someone who's way better than him, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to happen. And the question is, is he going to get beat so bad that someone's going to get hurt? You know what I'm saying? Like it's a very when he when he misses when he loses, there's very serious consequences for a football team. That's the nature of offensive tackle. Is why it's an important position to find and to maybe keep. It's like it's kind of like finding a quarterback. Man, it's very important. They're hard to find. You got to develop them. You got to be patient. And then I was like, we don't have the time. We don't have the patience. We're just gonna go with Colton Kivitz. Like, okay, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I, I thought about Brandon the, the other day about how. You were, how you brought up about Tyler Croft. And it's like, yo, look, you got to give credit to the Eagles for knocking him out. I'm not saying that's that's what they wanted to do, but it's like, right. look, there's a reason why there's Football. an offensive lineman. You put all this money behind these guys. And it's because we had to protect this guy. He's the most, he's, he's, he's technically supposed to be the most fragile guy on the, the team, team next to Kicker yep. and Hunter, which is yep. why we have offensive linemen. It's why we invest this way because getting hurt is a part of the game. We acknowledge it. Otherwise, why do we have offensive linemen for? Why do we have right. all these guys for? Why are we so, wearing yeah. pads? Yep. That's exactly that Tyler yeah. thing is such a risk. And it's like, all right, you viewed risk versus reward, and you thought that risk was enough to garner a 20-yard pass of Brandon Ayuk. Uh-huh. Right. Dumb. But you knew the risk was that if he misses, your quarterback gets hit. And if your quarterback gets hit, he's six feet, 210, and that guy's like 6'5", 240. I mean, you know what's going to happen. This is why I'm blaming Kyle. I mean, you're blaming Kyle, too, on that. Too. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're the one that called the play. You knew it. You you know your yeah. playbook better than anyone. You don't give these guys yeah. the right to audible either in that situation most of the time. And if this happens with Colt McKivitz there, I don't want to hear like, oh, it's McKivitz's fault. Purdy should have ducked earlier. It's like, no, who who installed no. that guy as the starter? And I, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to escape by the regular season because, number one, the NFC sucks. They'll <laughs> run the bad. ball. The They'll season. run the ball. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, they'll get they'll get 10, 11 wins like that for sure. Yeah. Unless they unless we see some miraculous oh, and five start again for them. Unless there's like a unless there's a bunch of uh, injuries, the Niners are going to win 13, 14, 15 games. Yeah, bet it's that the playoffs. I think what you put yeah. it out is perfect. It's like it's the playoffs. I think I think the point to push back on what you're saying is I think what you're hoping is McKivis by then he, all the all that game reps in he becomes better as well, sure. which is possible, you know. Yeah. But it's like. And maybe that's why we've seen after all of these years, he looks a little better in his stars, but it's like, you know, it's again, it's a risk. They're willing to play it. And I think the way how they see it is there was no one to draft. You say Sal DeVere, I agree with you. And there was no one to go in free agency. We didn't have the cap space. Otherwise we would have kept McGlinchey, right? So unless it was the draft or a trade, I don't see how yeah. do you tra- who, who trades off in the tackles like that. I just, I just right? can't believe they didn't bring in a swing tackle. Like it, it, maybe they, maybe they love Zakel, but when I asked John Lynch, is he a tackle? He was like, mm. right. 
Yeah, so like maybe Kyle disagrees. I just don't get it. Maybe they love Jalen Moore all of a sudden. I just because they said like, oh, look, we got Matt Pryor. He can start. But they also said they played him out of position last year in Indianapolis at left tackle. So he's not a swing tackle. He's a backup right tackle. Okay, so who's your okay, fair enough. So so if if McKivis goes down for a week, you got Matt Pryor in there. Good luck. And then if Trent Williams goes down for a week, what do you do? Do you slip McKivitz over to left tackle and play Matt Pryor? Or do you start Jalen Moore for a week? Or do you just go with Zakel at left tackle? I don't, I guess. They did that in 2019, right? They put Brunskill to the left one time. You know what? Daniel Brunskill isn't walking through that door, Jose. He's not going to save you this year. Where did he go? I forgot where he did. The Giants? No, where did he go? Tennessee. Ran Carthon. Two-year deal. Must have felt he was getting a raw deal. Talk Good about roster politics, right? Being like a solid offensive line key player. He got put in a rotation last year when he was the better player in the rotation. What they did, I understand it. Like, you know, he's going to leave and Burford's your future, so why not? But Brunskill was better than Burford last year. That Straight was up. so funny. I've never seen rotate. You know what's funny? I think uh, yeah. someone asked Kyle in the, in the, after the day three presser saying like, oh. I did. Oh, you asked him about defensive linemen. Yeah, I did, yeah. Linemen. No, because defensive linemen rotate. And I was like. What about your right guard? Rotated last year, and I thought it was actually one of the better things that they did all year because Burford wasn't ready to play an entire year. Instead of just sitting him all year, play him a little bit, get his feet wet, then put him on the sideline and be like, "Okay, now watch a better player do it. Now watch a player, a better player do it. Okay, now try again. Now try." I think that's great. You should see more. I love Chris Forrester. I think he's an outside the box thinker. And I've been thinking this. You know, a lot of people credited Mike McDaniel for being the genius on this staff. Man, I think it's Forrester, dude. Every, he came in 2019, and that's when the run game changed. Chris Forster, I think, taught McDaniel a lot. Chris Forster's like the old, salty, grizzly dude who just knows hella stuff. I bet he's the encyclopedic mind. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But now he has to coach offensive line. I, 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 I think he has less time to dedicate to just game planning. He was the game planner for two years, 1920. I'm just ranting, rambling. Anyway, Chris Forster. I like his answers at, at press conferences. You watch his press conferences? Oh, he gives the most. They're so good. I feel bad that I didn't write enough about what he had to say, but it's like, it's like, dude, I'm, it's like I'm reading like essays all over again back in college. I'm like, sheesh, I, I like it. I like, give us something because what are, your, your peers do not give us enough. He seems like he would be, of all the coaches that I would want to have a beer with on that, <laughs> uh, yeah. on that, on that coaching staff, him, Kyle. Kyle would be fun. Kyle, Kyle seems like the fun. kind of guy who like, even if he doesn't like you, if he had like a couple beers with you, he could have a good time with you. Maybe I'm wrong. Kyle. I, no, I think you're right because when Kyle yeah. goes on the podium, it feels like kind of forced. He like he doesn't want to be yeah. there. He doesn't want to talk. He's yeah. like, dude, I'm just like, uh, I hate putting on this front for you guys. Can I just have wine and you guys not tell on me? And we just just broke. Yeah, down. exactly. You definitely get those vibes a thousand percent. Yeah. So Kyle Forster, um, Johnny Holland's very serious. Not serious. He's very grown up. I wouldn't. I don't know if he would have a, a beer. I'm trying to. Chris Kostrick would be hilarious. Um. I don't know Steve Wilkes yet. <laughs> just going Those three. <laughs> the two line coaches. Greasy hates me. Greasy is. I don't know about Greasy, dude. That's so funny. I never knew he, he thought he, he thought he felt that way until like you showed me that clip of what he said. I was like, oh, I was like, wait, <gasps> Brian, I'm sorry. I take it back, man. Man. I, I <laughs> you know, Brian Greasy. My bad. Sorry. You did a good job last year. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. You know what? Uh, it's funny that we're on this topic because I used to always tell people, like, back when I was still in the locker room in 2019, I used to tell people, like, Jimmy Grobble is the ultimate, like, go to a dive bar type of guy. 
Like I could go to I could go to my local dive bar and be like, he's just there wearing his flannel with the hoodie under or something like that. One of those flannel hoodies, you know what I mean? He's just there, just kicking it. Just I just see him as like a dive bar guy. Like that's not, interesting. Not, but that, that was 2019. To yeah, me 2019 now, I think of him as like like rooftop bar San Diego or like somewhere really ritzy in like Chicago on the on the Chicago Which River. Makes sense. 2019 was his first year back starting again. Yeah, right? trying to take it easy, trying to be more. He chill used to be people. a dive bar kind of guy, but now I feel like he's like you know exclusive bar only type of place, very quiet, candlelit. He's so private. No one ever runs into. There was the one time when he ran. He went to Hooters last year, and the girl took a picture of him in that oh, yeah, yeah, But other yeah. than that, no one ever runs into Jimmy Garoppolo and takes. He's a good. He's good. He's like He's, the as opposed to Trey, who gets caught all the time. Although, it is, to his credit, he hasn't gotten caught partying in like a, six months. <laughs> <laughs> nine months. I'll give him nine months. Okay, uh, not that. What I want to talk about is Warriors-Lakers. Although, we should probably answer some super chats before we get there. So, hold on. Logical Truth says, The AFC gives up 26 versus the NFC's 36 points per game, and no one talks about it. That tells me schematics versus personnel is the reason what, what say you. Really good defenses huh? in the AFC. AFC West. It's not. It's not the the Char Broncos had a good defense, even though they were a bad team. Chargers don't. The Chiefs had a solid defense. Steelers had a decent defense. Bengals had a solid defense. Ravens had a good defense. Brown, eh, Browns? Eh, no, no, they didn't. The Jets actually had Is a good defense. They have good defenses yeah, the in the AFC. I feel like though my, my characterization of the conferences that the NFC is more old school, more about like you know running. ball control running. And defense, whereas the oh, AFC is more. Oh, now with McCaffrey, with McCarthy calling plays at Cowboys. Did you, did you ever hear what he said about why he did, he moved off of Kellen Moore? He's like, I felt like we should have run the ball more. Right, and it's right. like, wait, that's the NFC. Like, tell him you want to run the ball more. That's the NFC, and the AFC is all about like we need the best quarterback. We need the best quarterback. It's like right, yeah, exactly. You need the best quarterback. <laughs> Straight up. That's anyway. why they always keep winning, right? Was, uh, like Detroit, their first pick this year was a running back. It's like it's such an NFC thing to do. Why would you do that? Atlanta, when they didn't need a running back, we saw them run all over the 49ers with their multitude of backs, and that was without Cordero Patterson. Why'd I mean, you need it's always back? an NFC team that takes a running back that high, I want to say. Like the Rams, the Cowboys, the Giants. Like stop, 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 yeah, stop. What are you doing? Get with the time. I feel like AFC is much more cutting edge, but that's always kind of been the AFC. It's always been more of like a lighted up offense conference, even back before it merged. I was young back in the 60s. I remember all day, every day. Oh, yeah. Kim says Cabo Click got that Masters Country Club feel. <laughs> good, good, good one. <laughs> yeah, they're the kind of guys that golf together, right? Just what golf. else do they do? They Drink do sours together. You're at least, you like sours. Yeah, I like sour. You like an IPA. Yeah. Official like BNA Music 88 says counting down. No, we got you already. Got you already. No, we didn't. Not this Countdown. one. And he's completing it. Oh, wait, did we? Oh, yeah, we did we that one. All right. Um, let's talk Warriors then. I don't I didn't understand this one at all. 26 versus 36. I don't get it. He's talking about like the def like the defenses give up 26 points per game versus the 36 in the NFC. So he's saying, like, schematically, the off NFC is better, more lethal in the offensive standpoint in the NFC than is AFC, even though the AFC has a, obviously the most elite uh, quarterbacks. I just chalk it up to, like, look, <laughs> defense and the AFC are better. NFC just stinks yeah. all around. Yeah. Okay. Warriors-Lakers. Warriors lost game one at home to the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting. They were down big. They came back. 
Jordan Poole had the shot. A lot of people made fun of him for taking it at all and being so far away from the basket. And a lot of people felt, you know, it was open. Steve Kerr defended him. Do you think the Lakers are going to win this series? I mean, how do you think it's going to go? Oh, you're going to ask me that? Well, first I was going to say, like, I apologize for saying the Warriors were going to lose that last series and they were down 2-0. It was, it was looking bleak. I don't remember what you – I think I think you were leading on my side too a little bit more. Like, you were a little doubtful. You were doubtful at least. You might not I was starting to feel doubtful, but I don't think I ever picked against them. That was that was just rough. And, again, it's like, what does Steve Curry even do, man? What does this guy do? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. It's, it's been multiple games through. I'm like, Jesus, I feel like I could pick a better rotation than this guy. But – yeah, when I saw Jordan Poole shoot that deep three, it was like, I don't care how hot this guy is. That's not your range, buddy. That's not your range. That's Stephen Clay range. I don't care how hot you are. I was like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I love, this is why I love the NBA playoffs. Like, it's hard to be a fan during the regular season because it's like it's hard to keep track, first of all. And second of all, yeah. these guys don't care about it. This, right. These are the series that really get my blood flowing because I know hella Warriors fans are friends of mine and family and also Lakers fans. So it's like it's like Civil War, Avengers style. So it's just so fun. And look, I I got I got I got represent for the culture. I think Lakers are going to win in seven. I think it's going to go Lakers in seven. The Warriors are the Warriors are. Hey, don't laugh at me. I know where you live, guy. I'll, I'll find you. I like that you said representing for the culture. Like I don't even know what that means in this context. Representing but I like for the it. Lakers culture, but maybe okay, that's fair enough. I know where you live. Okay, fair enough. Like, you know, don't, don't laugh at me. We got beef. I got cameras all around my house, man. I, I, I would have you on eight cameras so quick, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, like I, the scarf where he has that thing. room where he has like all those like TVs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's how I feel about this game, man. I think the Warriors are still gonna win. That's how I feel. Straight up. No, here's I have re- I have I have I have reasons. So Anthony Davis was just too much, right? And I think people that think the Lakers are gonna win the series, like you, or think like, man, Anthony Davis is too good. Like the Warriors have no answer. All I'm gonna say is in the fourth quarter. The Warriors won that period 24-21. Anthony Davis had two points on one of five shooting. Once the Warriors get Draymond Green on Anthony Davis, I've seen it so many times. Anthony Davis doesn't want the smoke. He's soft. S-O-F-T. Soft. And in the fourth quarter, when you put Draymond on him, he doesn't want it. He will disappear. But in the game last night, it was a weird game with all those fouls, and then he got a freaking technical, uh, and it still came down to a three. So that's going to keep happening, Jose. And I'm not even a Niner fan. But I just wanted to point that out. I mean, Warrior fan. Or Niner fan. You're both. You have both fans. <laughs> no, I think... Uh, I, 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 that, no, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense because when Draymond got in that early foul trouble, he was on the bench, Andy Davis was just teeing off and... Oh. It's, it's, look, I think, I think it's really going to come down to, like, can the, can the Warriors actually get more out of their bench points? Can, the, can they actually miraculously? Because that's, that's what's clear-cut to me. It's like the Warriors are more of a team... The, the war, I mean, excuse me, the Lakers are more of a team. The Warriors is like Steph, and who the hell else is going to step up? In the past, it was always like, we're most likely going to see Clay or Poole or someone else step up. It's like, who, where's that going to come from? They had, they had, yeah, Lo- Looney's I, not going to be like scoring in this series. Looney's going to have a tough time with Anthony Davis. It's not Sabonis. Yeah, he's, gonna, he's not going to have as easy offensive rebound. He's not Sabonis anytime. Like he anymore. Gets the bonus, the soft, that soft being said, though, I feel like. What you saw when, when Davis was in the game, he scored a bunch, but I feel like he gave it back on the other end because anytime the Warriors did like a screen handoff above the three-point line with Anthony Davis's man doing a screen, like he wouldn't come up. He would just stay back and you'd have wide open threes. 
Huh? Unless it was like awesome. Unless it was like the guards. I don't think anyone else they were telling to come up that way because they're just like, we'll, right. just, we'll just live with that because. And also, I think they were settling for it, right? That's kind of the big reason why they weren't getting as much free throws. It's like, dude, you're taking all these J's. How, how do you expect to get yeah. all these fouls in? But th- isn't that the, the hallmark of a tired team? Like, you just played a seven-game series. You just played two days ago. You shoot 55 threes. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I it's think easy to shoot 55 threes, right? It doesn't take – it's it takes way less energy than driving. Yeah. I think that's I think that's why it was kind of obvious the Warriors are going to lose this game. It was like, dude, they got to yeah. play two days later? Like, Jesus, man. And I, the Lakers have been – Yeah. There's not a single two-day break in any of the series. Well, maybe after – but in the first four games, there's not. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's freaking yeah. crazy. And I'm over here like, okay, cool. It's like I'm looking at the schedule for the rest of the week, right, because there's UFC Saturday and Canelo's fighting. So I'm like, cool, it's fight night Saturday. Hopefully the game's on Sunday, so I have a huge weekend. It's like, no, the game's on Saturday. I'm like, the game's on Saturday? There's only a one-day break? God, man, it's like the this is why I think it's going to go yeah. like back and forth a lot. I, the Lakers – I mean, the Warriors are already kind of tired. Lakers can get tired yeah. too. I can see yeah. that. I think the Warriors might have a slight edge in that sense. But I, I think that's why we're looking at a six-seven game series because, like, dude, these – Battle of attrition is real on these teams, man. So I mean, it's it's. it's what also be- was interesting about this is like Anthony Davis is the best player in the Lakers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's like a- LeBron is was a, is a good number two, but like he's not the same guy he was three years ago. Like, first of all, he can't shoot. No, he's terrible at shooting. Can't shoot, and he can't really initiate your offense anymore. So he's like setting screens, cutting to the basket, like. I'm not used to seeing LeBron do this stuff. So, like, he, he he had a great game one. Like, he impacted it in so many different ways, but, like, that's who he is now. Like, he's not necessarily going to be leading them in scoring or 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 assists. It's very interesting. Like, AD has to play like this every time in this game, in this series, for them to eliminate the word. D'Angelo Russell gives him, like, that nice little spot up in those random kicks. Yeah. He, he had, like, several good, like, passes to facilitate that. So, I I think he's a good X factor. I think the X factors is him and Jordan Poole. You can get that Jordan Poole he did in game one without the necessary, like, he, he checked three at the end. I think you're good. Because I was watching him. I was like, okay, Jordan Poole saves his best playoff performance against the Lakers. Now, that's great. Awesome. It's like, that was his best game by far because everything else has just been Russell Westbrook 2.0 from him. He's, he's so I know. He's been so bad. I don't know what he's doing or where his head's at. He keeps seem like, seems like he wants to make it about himself and like yes. get get a bunch of glory. But when he just takes Russell open Westbrook. shots, exactly. When he just takes open shots, he's good. Like I think he had no turnovers last year, last night, and like no, seven assists. Like, like just, dude, stop Beautiful. doing too much. They want you to shoot. Just shoot the open shots, and and you'll be good. Because he's so bad on defense. Like you can't be a liability on offense too, man. You can't be. So, I, know, I still think the Warriors are going to win the series. What? Because the same way you just said, like, I I, I believe it. I don't, I don't think they're going to close out too much too often or early, especially on the shooters, especially pool. I think they're going to try to, like, live with that and just, like, try to get the They're going to die with that. To, to, to your point, the, the, the Lakers were more rested than the Warriors in this game one. I think it was predictable that the Warriors would lose game one. But the fact that the Warriors shot 40% from three does not bode well for the Lakers because usually no, no. when the Warriors can do that in a series, they win. They find a way to win. They're too good. You got to take that away. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can. Clay was on fire too. Well, actually, no. Clay started on fire the first quarter, or first half, and, and he, he really he dropped off. down. He, he really dropped. Pool kind of splurged yeah. it, and obviously Curry does his. Um, but yeah, I think that that guy, Jamichael Green, had two threes. That was red again. This is, this is so random. Like they're get, open. Jamichael Green gets Stewie on you, Lakers. Come on, what are you doing? They're open. I mean, if you if you give these guys warm up threes, Jamichael will hit that. Like he's been around. I call I him Jermichael because I know him like that. Now he's all of a sudden knocking back-to-back threes. 
Different matchup. Different matchup. Like Curry in the first round was just putting on a layup clinic. I think he got his his floater blocked four or five times last night. Like it's going to be a whole... The, the Warriors aren't going to be able to just score inside like they did against the Kings. They're going to have to shoot and shoot and shoot and f- uh, defend without fouling. Such a contract. They've done that in the past. Yeah, it's way different. Because the Kings were going to run all day. The Lakers aren't trying to run. No, the Kings were playing. I think they would have got blown out in that first game, even though it was a seven-game series of the Lakers. I think that would have been their worst matchup. Official BNA Music 88 says, bet folks wanted Draymond to punch pool last night. <laughs> yeah, I saw tweets saying that. Everyone, you know what's about? You know, what I've been seeing the most commonly of tweets, and even in group chats, is like, I get now why Pool got punched. I get why. You know, we talked about it after the, uh, two weeks ago, and I'm like, look, Jim, I used to you, you cross the line. And it's like, damn. Now I'm starting to feel like I get it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to condone violence in that way because I feel like you could just chew them out and just let. But it's like, man, it's like this guy's that. Once he that doesn't goes, get it. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He and just he, doesn't get it, man. That video, uh, I don't know if it was game. It was game six where like Draymond's trying to like, or someone's trying to console him. And he just grabs his arm, and just throws him. Or throws Draymond, him just like get off. Draymond, me, and then apparently Steph came over and said, "This shit isn't helping." It's like, bro, like Jordan. what are you doing? I also read. And what's like, crazy was he could have been the hero last night. Like he played so well. He was like five or seven from three, but he does too much. He has a couple good plays, and he starts like playing to the crowd it's like dude you're the sixth man on the team just chill it's not your moment it's not your stage it's not your team it's not your crowd just stop embarrassing yourself everyone is cringing watching you do this stuff like oh god like he is the the warriors version of like dylan brooks it's like dude (laughs) stop stop they're gonna kick you off the team like like, uh uh (laughs) this guy Americ says trade pool for Trey Young. Hawks don't want pool for Trey Young. They say no, thank you. I think the Hawks are trying to trade Trey Young, though. That's what I've been hearing or seeing. No, maybe okay. Do that. I'll take I'll take Trey Young. We talk about the immaturity of these guys. Like I also saw something else about like I think uh, Marcus Thompson wrote about it about how saying in that game seven how Steph's doing the speech right and like if you if you bought in. Go to the game bus. Get on the bus. Out, you can be mature, stay out. And it was supposedly specifically towards Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga. And it's like, what are you two sniping about? You're in the playoffs, first of all. And of yeah. course, that's going to be the one who's going to have to be the star. Are you freaking kidding me? You're playing with the top 10 best basketball player of all time. You're over here going to think like, this is your moment to shine? Get the hell yeah. out of here. That's why I think it's so pathetic about those two players. It's like, dude, yes, Kaminga got a bat, a raw deal with Anthony Lamb and curse screwing him. But it's like, it's the playoffs time now, guys. <laughs> This is what's gonna happen. We're gonna have to do what we gotta do to win. And if you're there, like stand aside. Let let the play, let let your stars take over. Also, the reason that Kerr goes with Anthony Lamb in the regular season over Kaminga is that Anthony Lamb is willing to play a role. Like Kaminga gets in the game and doesn't know what his role is. He doesn't execute a role particularly well. He wants to be a superstar. Like that's why you're not playing, dude. Because you don't rebound. You don't defend. What can they count on you to do well? Nothing. You can't shoot, but you're supposed to just be like gifted minutes so you can develop. Well, like not on this team. Are we talking about the Niners or the Warriors right now? Anyway, anyway, the difference is to me, like the Warriors have won four championships. They have a proven formula that works. They won last year. Niners don't have that. They're still searching. They think they do. So they, I mean, they might want to experiment a little bit with the, in Santa Clara. The the Warriors have no time to experiment with anything. They have their formula. You got to fit in and and do a job. What job are you going to do? Jonathan, Mr. Kaminga, 
Nothing. Although, I, in the past, didn't he do a good job defending LeBron? I don't know if you need him on LeBron. And he, it's not like LeBron's doing much on offense. Maybe in like uh, the regular season games, yeah. Um, maybe. Because obviously he wasn't there for those championships, Kaminga, five years ago. Um, who is, who's yeah, what was he, like 14? I, really paying too, I was paying against attention to like D-Lo and stuff like that. I think they were just mixing it in, whoever was there. But at, honestly, if you're the Warriors, you just keep LeBron in that arc. Because I remember before before he made a couple more threes or took a few more shots, I think they said he was 5 of 36 or 5 of 39 from three in that first series against the Grizzlies. And I was like, dear God, I could do better than that. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, like he's the perfect number two now. And it's like in that, in that end game sequence, he instead of him taking the ball to the cup, drawing a foul, laying it up, doing what he does best, he settles for a three. It's this is the thing that just frustrates me about watching LeBron James throughout his career. It's just always like something weird. Like he, he just doesn't go with his strengths. And I'm again, maybe because he is 38 now, but still I, I've seen several times he's still able to do that. And the one time you should be able to force it is in the crunch time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems like you're going to have Dray, Draymond on LeBron a lot in this series since LeBron has gotten kind of slow. You're going to have clay on Reeves. I think clay did a great job on Reeves last night. And ideally you want Wiggins on D just like the uh, the Lakers have, um, what's his face, Vanderbilt on uh, Curry. You want big, long, athletic guy pressuring They're the ball. They're pretty like lanky, so it's like it kind of like that's that's the cool thing about like kind of disrupting a little bit of the shot, even though they shot forty percent, like said, but still, it's like they get the shot off so quick. It's like what good does length do? Yeah, um, Canelo fights this weekend. Who's he fighting? I don't know. I don't pay it. Honestly, like a, a lot of the Mexicans I know aren't really paying attention to that fight because it's like he's fighting nobody's. He's fighting okay. Guadalajara. I know that much, which is cool. I'm personally so just going to watch the basketball game and I'm jumping straight into UFC. Like, until, okay. until who's fighting? Fight, huh? Uh, Aljamain Sterling against Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo comes out of retirement after a three year layoff. He's trying to get a, his belt back. And then the okay. co main is going to be a good one Gilbert Burns. Against Bilal Muhammad, that's gonna be so. It's actually a solid card. It's a nice juicy card. Right. So juicy uh, basketball transition to that. I'll, I'll probably bring out the second TV and put on the Canelo fight. So just because you know, just just put it on. You got to put it on. You have make, two make TVs. Nice, make my living room. I, I just bring my I just bring my TV from my room into the living room. I can so see I, that. I run that. I like so that. It's almost like a sports bar in the living room. <laughs> I like that. Or like you're at like the sports book at Caesars. That's, that's yeah. That's <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, um, I'm done streaming for the day, I think, because Jesse is literally in Vegas at a sports book right now. He said he was actually at the Lazy River. I'm so, so he's just somewhere walking in a lazy river. So if you oh, say what's up, if you see Yeah, if you're in Vegas, say what's up to Jesse. Uh, I'll be around doing whatever. We'll see. Probably gonna go lift weights. Did I tell anyone that I lift weights? I lift weights. Just because you break the branch off and one of your many trees in your backyard and you lift it doesn't consider lifting weights, but yeah, do a hundred of those. Did you funny. find a new barber yet? No. Does it look like it? No, that's what I need to do today. I need to go. I need to go find a new barber today. There you go. You have that's the free what I'm going to do. Now. Hell yeah. Getting a haircut today. All right. See you guys. Peace.